Our Heavenly Father, we come here before you this morning. We thank you for this privilege that you give us to come and uh, worship together just to spend time praying to you and looking into your word. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each and every one of us for having been here today. And Lord, as we continue through the remainder of this service now, open up your word. Show us something, Father, that perhaps we've never seen before or realize or just remind us of something we've already known but have long forgotten. But Lord, I pray that you would draw us close to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you all be seated. You know, when I was uh, growing up, it seemed like my mother knew everything. Um, I could uh, be there and she could be asking me a question and she would know immediately if I was lying. She could just look into my eyes and tell. Maybe it was the body, the facial expressions, I don't know. But every now and then, they, you know, there would be those times where I would just be sitting there and she'd be talking to me and I'd kind of look up and she'd say, don't even think that. And I think, what are you talking about? What do you think I'm, I'm thinking? And sure enough, she'd hit it. She'd say, you're thinking this, aren't you? And I would be. And it was like you can't hide anything from this woman. It's like I did not understand how she knew all that. Now, having become a parent later on in years, I realized that you begin to read your children. You can read their facial expressions, their body language, and you know them. You know what they're going to do when you tell them not to do something. So you kind of have an idea. But now things are worse when it comes to God. Because God literally does know everything, and he does. He knows everything there is. He's not reading your body language. He just happens to know. This in, in theology is called omniscience, uh, that he is omniscient. He knows everything. Now, there are um, different characteristics or um, attributes of God. You know, omnipresent means that he's everywhere at the same time. Omnipotent means that he's all-powerful. All of these things that we study in theology or hear or talk about, but we don't really know, well, what difference does that make to me and my life? And so today we're going to be talking about the omniscience of God, but we're also going to be talking about why that's something that you need to understand and what that means to you in your everyday life. Now we're going to be looking today in a little bit of a different translation. We're not going to be in the NIV. Um, there's a translation called God's Word that uh, I've just was dabbling with and looking at. So I'm looking at that today. It's similar to the NIV, but a little different wording. I thought I'd try that today. So in case you're trying to figure out these verses and why they're not exactly like your Bible, um, just don't worry about it. It's just a different translation. They'll be up on the screen so you can watch, uh, read along with me there. But let me read you some verses because we're going to be talking about omniscience, God knowing everything. So these verses will teach you that as we go through these. So let me begin by looking at a couple of of them here. In Psalms 139 and verses 1 through 4, here's what it says. O Lord, you have examined me and you know me. You alone know when I sit down and when I get up. You read my thoughts from far away. You watch me when I travel and when I rest. You are familiar with all my ways. For before there is a single word on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Now, guys, just look at this because it talks about here you have examined me. You know me inside out. When I'm getting up or sitting down, whether I'm traveling or not, you know everything about me. You know all of the situations and what's going on in life. You read my thoughts from far away. Hmm. 
And it says, in all my ways you're familiar with, and before a single word is on my tongue. You already know what it is. This is what omniscient says, that he knows absolutely everything. Now, listen to this verse. This is sort of has a double application here today, okay, especially with what we're going through in this country in this particular time in our lives with the abortion question and the new uh, uh, candidate for the Supreme Court and all the questions about that. Uh, Listen to this verse. It says in Psalms 139, verse 16, Your eyes saw me when I was still an unborn child. Okay, now stop and think about this. You saw me before I was ever born. You saw me. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. You knew who I was when I was in the womb and before any of my days ever occurred. You saw all of my days recorded in your book. And if that child was going to die prematurely, if that child was going to be aborted, then God knew that. God already knew it. Now, guys, as you think about this and you look at this, you think to yourselves, my goodness, that God understands and knows every detail of my life. Think about these things for just a minute, okay? Just think about what I'm saying here. God knows everything equally the same. Everything equally the same. That means that no one thing does he know better than another. He knows everything equally the same. God never discovers anything. Think about this. God never discovers anything. He already knows it. There's nothing to be discovered. God is never surprised. God's never going to look around on the angel and say, Did you see that coming? I didn't see that coming. I'm totally taken off by, uh, you know, by surprise with that. Never. Because God already knew it. God never wonders. God never sits around, I wonder what would happen if I did this. Because God already knows it. All of his knowledge is always equally present with him. You never find him forgetting anything. You never find him wondering about something. It's always there. He knows everything there is to know about anything and everything in the universe, whether it's past, present, or future. Everything. He knows what's going to happen even though it hasn't happened yet. All through the Bible in the Old Testament. He says, I'm telling you this ahead of time so that when it happens, you'll know that I knew what I was talking about, basically. And he knows everything that could exist or could happen that it didn't. This is omniscience. This is, what it, this is what it means when we talk about that God knows everything. See, these, this is the problem when it comes to theology. Because whenever you start talking about theology and these things, these types of things, it's like our eyes glaze over and we say, oh, brother, you know, this is one of those things. And who cares? Well, you better care because this is very important. This is so something that is so important because this is what omniscience is. Now, we come to the point now, this message, where we have to answer this question. And the question is this. Okay, so God is omniscient. God knows everything. He knows what could have been and didn't. He knows it all. So what? So what? What's the difference to me living right here in Athens, Texas today? Tell me why that matters to me in my everyday life, Okay. I want to show you four areas of impact, four areas of your life where the omniscience of God, the fact that God knows it all, matters to you. 
how it impacts you, where it should matter, where you should be thinking about this, and the difference that it makes. Number one is this. Because God knows everything, it changes the way that I pray. Because God knows everything, that it ought to have an impact on the way in which I approach prayer. Now, what I mean by that is this, that we seem to, even in, in this church, even at times when we pray, we, we seem to approach God as if, as if he's far away. You see, God is way out there somewhere, and in order for me to pray, and, and we, I've, in Christian circles we even use this terminology, you've got you've to pray through you got to get him. you got to ring the doorbell. you got to beat on the door hard enough. you got to make sure that he wakes up, make sure that he's listening to you because he might be out there somewhere doing something and not paying you any attention. So when it comes to prayer, and many of us do this, we approach prayer as though we're trying to get God's attention. So we do all kinds of things to try to get God to pay attention to us and to get God to listen to us because that is what we've been taught or at least what has been implied a lot of times in our lives, because in order for you to pray, God's got to listen, and in order for God to listen and to know you're there and to know what's going on, you've got to get his attention. And so we'll do all kinds of acrobatic things just to get his attention. Let me read you some verses again, just some passages of Scripture. For example, in Matthew chapter 6, this is the passage where Jesus is talking about uh, the Sparrows don't drop to the ground without him knowing about it. But in verses 31 and 32, here's what he says. He says, don't ever worry and say, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Everyone is concerned about these things. And your heavenly father certainly knows you need all of them. Okay, now listen to why that's important. Because here we are, and we are, let's say, for example, getting ready to to go to prayer, or you're at home and you're getting ready to go to prayer, and you begin to think to yourself that, you know, is is God going to hear me today? Is God care? You know, does God pay attention? That sort of thing. And according to what this verse says, at least, it says all of the things that you are coming to him and bringing to him, he already knows you need them. He already knows that prayer request. He already knows what's on your heart. He already knows what you need and what you want before you ever bring it. That raises the question, then why do we have to pray? You know, we've talked about this before. I believe with all my heart that in in the mind of God, prayer is as much about the process as, as it is about the result. God is more interested in you coming in you exhibiting faith, in you depending on Him, and you talking to Him, in you coming into that relationship with Him. God wants that. Now, the results come. I'm not diminishing that in any way. I'm minimizing that. Listen to this verse. It's in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. At the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need. But the Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed in words. Now look at what the verse is saying. He's saying, look, there are times when you go to prayer and you don't even know how to pray. 
Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you've heard a prayer request or something comes along uh, on, on your email from church and here's a prayer need. So-and-so is going into the hospital. They're going to have open-heart surgery or they've just had a stroke or all kinds of things that possibly could happen. And you're sitting there, maybe it's your, in your home at your kitchen table, thinking to yourself, now how, how do I pray for this? How do I pray? And what he's saying is, is this, that God already knows it. And to be honest with you, you don't really know how to pray. But the Spirit of God knows. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you takes these groanings that you have where you're sitting there thinking, struggling with what to pray and how to pray. And God says, I'm already way ahead of you on this one. And I already know. I want you to come and let me talk with you. Because my Holy Spirit is not only going to Tell me what's on your heart that you can't even express. But through the Holy Spirit, I'm also going to tell you how you ought to be praying. Because I've got to tell you something, guys. There are times when I go to prayer and the Bible says to let your request be made known to God and I'll pour out my heart and I'll say, Lord, I want to see this. I want to see this person healed and I want to see this and I want to see that happen. And there are times when God moves and God works miraculously. But there are times when nothing happens. But what will happen over a period of time, the more I pray and the more I am entering into this this process, is that the Spirit of God begins to change my heart. And then I begin to pray differently. Because it's almost as if the Spirit of God begins to tell me, I know what God the Father is going to do. You don't. Now here's what you need to be praying and how you need to be praying, because God's going to take this person. God's going to take them. And God knows your heart and knows what you want, but this is time for them to go. So maybe you ought to be praying that God would take them quickly. And then maybe they wouldn't suffer. Maybe that's how God wants you to pray. But you see, here's the thing. I don't know that until God tells me. I don't know that until He impresses it upon my heart. So I continue to bring my request to God and I pray for things and my prayer needs and my prayer list and everything because this is what we want and this is what God says for you and me to do. But there comes a point in time when God begins to teach me that, you know what, I know what's going to happen. I know why I'm going to do it that way. And I need you to be convinced of that. And it's in the process of me coming to God and praying that God begins to teach me what He's going to do because He already knows the beginning from the end. I should be seeking His will. And the one thing that I need to learn as I go through this process of prayer is that I need to learn to trust Him. And see, that's the hard part. Because so many of us don't. I'm not talking about trusting Him as our Savior. I'm talking about trusting Him with the affairs of life. We say, okay, God, my child is hurting. My child is in danger. And I don't really trust you to know what's best. I don't trust you to know what's going on. And so we've somehow within the church, we've got this mentality, this idea that somehow I can demand of you and you have to give it to me. And that's not in Scripture. God tells us to come, ask, don't be shy, and we come. But it's because God knows the beginning from the end that I can trust Him. And I bring my requests, and I pray, and I open my heart in, and I pour it out to God, and I'm trusting that, God, You teach me what in the world I'm supposed to be doing. 
And how I'm supposed to be praying over this situation, because honestly, I may not know. But because you are omniscient, I can trust you. I can trust you because you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to take place. You already know what your plan is. So you see, when it comes to God knowing everything, it affects the way that I pray, as it ought to. Because my faith is in him. Jesus said when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, you need to be praying like this. Thy will be done. Now, that's an odd way to pray. Shouldn't I be asking and asking and asking? Well, yeah, that's part of it. But in the end, thy will be done. God, this is your world. You know it. I don't. And as much as I want something different from, from that... Lord, I've got to learn to trust you. And I can trust you because not only are you all powerful and all of that, God, you know. You say, you know. You know this person that I'm praying for. You know the situation that I'm praying for. And you know me. And you know what your plan is. I don't. But God, I hope that through this process you'll show me and give me some insight into what you're doing. But see, my faith comes into play there because I know that he knows. Second thing, here's another way in which this subject matter of the omniscience of God comes into play. Because God knows everything, it changes the way I look at my sin. It changes the way I look at sin. Now, we as believers still struggle with sin. Some of you may not be aware of that, but we do. And if we're honest with each other, we'll admit that. We still have old habits and old ways of thinking and old memories and all of the things that creep into our lives. And we still revert back to living the old life sometimes when God says you're a new creation. But we still do it. Now, here's the problem with this. Is that whenever we as believers sin, you know what we do? Our typical reaction is this. When I sin, I usually try to hide it from God. We all do. We think that because nobody knows, that God doesn't know. We think that because it was in private, that God didn't see it. And somehow that gives us boldness and courage to keep on doing it. Because we don't think that God's aware of it. But when you understand the omniscience of God, then it changes the way in which you look at those things that are done in private. Things that you should not do. Let me read you these verses. These are some great verses out of the book of Psalms. In Psalm 69, verse 5, it says this, O God, you know my stupidity, and the things of which I am guilty are not hidden from you. The foolish things I've done, the stupid decisions I've made, the sinful acts in my life, God, you are fully aware of them. And I thought I was getting away with it. I thought I could hide it. I thought I could keep it from you. Because nobody knew. But the psalmist says, Lord, you knew. And the things that I'm guilty of, they're not hidden from you. Listen to this one. It's in Psalms 90, verse 8. He says, you have set my sins in front of you. Oh, wait a minute. You have set our sins in front of you. You have put our secret sins in the light of your presence. Now think about what this is saying. Don't just gloss over it, Okay. God the Father is saying to you and me, the things that you have done in private that you think nobody understood or knew about, 
I pulled up a chair and I watched you. I know what happened. There's nothing hidden from me. It says here that my secret sins are in the light of your presence. They're right there in front of you. If I really understood the omniscience of God, then I would understand that everything that I've done, everything that I choose to do, every sinful act in my life, God was watching and God was aware. That's what omniscience means. And it would change the way I behave if I really understood that. In Psalms 44, verse 21, listen to what it says. It's picking up in the middle of a sentence. It says, wouldn't God find out since he knows the secrets in our hearts? You know what that's teaching you? It's teaching you that it's not just the acts that God knows or is aware of, but it's the things that you're even thinking about. The sinful, secret things in my heart, God already knows about them. That's omniscience. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. No creature can hide from God. Everything is uncovered and exposed for him to see. And we must answer to him. Now he's talking to us as believers. You and I have to answer. We're going to have to stand before God. And I don't know what that's going to be like. It's not a judgment for heaven or hell because our faith has saved us. But there's going to be something we have to stand before God. In our sinful life, perhaps, I don't know, something is going to be exposed to him. And you can't hide from God. Everything that is, is going to be uncovered. Now, guys, if I, if I had this concept of God's omniscience, and I, I understood it, and I had it always before me, wouldn't it make a difference in the way that I live? I think sometimes, and I know it in my life, and I'm sure it's true in yours, that we take sin flippantly sometimes. And we think that somehow or another we can get by with it and it doesn't count against us and it's not going to be held against us. And in, in a sense, that's true because of grace covering everything. But at the same time, God is saying, I'm aware of everything that's going on in your life. And I can see it. And the thing that we want to do is we want to make excuses. We'll say, but God, wait a minute, because if my spouse was different, I wouldn't be doing these things. If my children were different, I wouldn't be responding like this in so much anger. If my parents were different, I would not be acting this way. I'm just a product of my parents. If life treated me differently, I would be acting differently. And God is just sick of excuses because God says, I already know what's in your heart. I already know what you're thinking. I already know why you did it. We're foolish enough to think that we can hide. Omniscience tells us that we can't. Because God is all-knowing. God is telling you and me, don't try to hide from me. When God came into the garden with Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, what was the first thing they did? They hid. And man's been doing it ever since. You get into the New Testament, and in John, he says, listen, he says, you confess your sins to God. Don't hide from him. God already knows. I'm not telling God something that he doesn't already know. Confession is not me informing God. Confession is me telling God I understand. God, I did it. God, I'm guilty. That's what I did, and you already know it. Yet we keep trying to hide. The fact that God is omniscient to change, make a couple of changes in our lives. First of all, we stop doing the same foolish 
is this text says stupid things we've always done. And when we do, we stop trying to hide it from God. Because when I understand that God is all-knowing, then I stop trying to hide and I come clean. And that's what God wants. For you to be before him saying, Lord, I blew it and here's what I did. Because the Bible says that when I confess it, that God is faithful. Say, God is just and God forgives me and God cleanses me. But it's every time that I try to hide because I don't understand the omniscience of God. Every time I try to hide, God comes after me with his switch. And God says, you're not going to do that. Here's the third area of our lives where this, this truth of, of omniscience comes to play. And that is this, because God knows everything, it changes the way I look at him. It changes my understanding of who God is, the way that I look at him, what I believe to be true about him. Let me give you some examples. God knows everything about me, and God knows everything about you, and he still loves us. He still loves us? I understand God knows it, and I also understand what the Bible teaches about him loving me. So I understand that God, in spite of what he knows about me, he still loves me. You see, that's the person I want to have a relationship with. That's the one that I want to serve. That's the one that I want to praise. That he still loves me in spite of all of that. All of the things that we do in secret that nobody knows about, God knows. And he says, I still love you. You see, so many of us are so accustomed to this performance-driven relationship. We perform and God loves us. We do and God accepts us. And that's totally unbiblical. Because God says, in spite of everything that I know about you, I still love you. And it's not about you performing. Your performance, your obedience, your worship, everything ought to be a response to when you understand that in spite of all that God knows, He still loves and accepts you, then you respond to that. But too many of us are trying to earn God's favor. Listen to this. God chose to love you knowing your past, knowing your present, and knowing your future. God still knows the sins and the shameful things and the denial and the disobedience that may happen in the future that you're not even aware of yet. And God says, I still love you. When I understand that, then it changes everything about my relationship to the Lord. Because I view him differently. When I understand that God still loves me in spite of what he knows about my past, my present, and my future, it changes everything. The problem is we don't believe it. See, and that's where the rub comes in because God says, I want you to understand this. And I want you to believe this. Because when you believe it, it'll make a change in the way you live. You have to understand that in spite of all of this, I still love you. Now, let me tell you, at least for me, as I thought about this, I thought, well, okay, so how does this truth that God still loves me, even though he knows all about me, how does it, what does it do for me? And, and I'm guessing it's going to do the same for you. I started thinking, well, it gives me hope. Because I don't have to perform to get him to love me or earn the love. I just have to accept it. There's hope in that. Something to look forward to. 
Rather than being afraid of God, I want to run to God. You see? It gives me joy. My goodness, how could you not be excited about that? Many of us grew up believing that we had to earn God's favor. Many of us grew up believing that somehow that was like a carrot dangling out there in front of us to get us to perform and to get us to do things the way that God wanted them done. Then he would bestow his love on us. When I understand that it's just the opposite, then I want to run to him. Gives me peace too. Peace because I know that no matter what happens in life, because God knows it already and God has already forgiven me and God has already said he loves me, I'm secure. And there's peace in that. So, yeah, it matters that I understand what omniscience is. It matters greatly. Here's the fourth thing, real quickly. Because God knows everything, it changes the way I look at suffering. It changes the way I look at suffering. We all go through it. We all suffer loss. We all suffer physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We just, there's enough suffering in this world to go around. And when times like that occur, here's what things like, here's what we think, so to speak. We think, well, does, does God still love us? I mean, does God love me when he, when he lets my child die? Has God forgotten me when I go through the divorce? Does he know what I'm going through here? When I, I, I'm bankrupt, does God know? Where is he? How can you tell me, preacher, that God still loves me? All of these questions come flooding in. Because, see, when we're suffering, our natural response is to say something crept in and got caught God off guard. It caught him by surprise because if he knew this, he would do something. And I want you to understand that when you suffer, God's very much aware of it. He knows. And yet he still takes you through it. Listen to this verse. In Psalms 31, verse 7, it says this, I will rejoice and be glad because of your mercy. You have seen my misery. You have known the troubles in my soul. What is he saying there? What's the psalmist saying? He's saying, God, you're aware of it. I'm in misery and I know that you know that. You know what? I'm going to rejoice in your mercy. Because even in the middle of this, you're still merciful. Yeah, I'm down, but I'm not out. It's tough, but I'm still enduring. And even in the middle of this, you still show mercy. Listen to this one. In Psalms 142, verse 3, it says this. When I begin to lose hope, you already know what I am experiencing. When I begin to lose hope, you already know what I'm experiencing. Let me read you this story. It's a fictitious story, okay? This is not true, but it, <clears throat> it illustrates a point I want to make. Now listen to the story very carefully. It's about two families. They're both farming families, and they both go through some hard times. But listen to the story because I think we can relate to this. It says these two families had a farm that were, these farms were near each other. One of the families raised wheat. The other family raised tomatoes. Both farmers had balloon payments coming up on their farms, their mortgages. 
a crop failure with either one of them would mean that they would lose their farms. Each farmer's wife was very sick and needed an expensive surgery to recover. Both families were faithfully walking with God. Now, understand this. Same balloon payment, same threat of losing their farm, same sickness and illness, both walking faithfully with God. This night, there was a 50-50 chance of rain. If it rains, the wheat farmer's grain will make it through to harvest, and the farm could be theirs. His wife could walk again. But also, if it rains, the tomato farmer's crop would be impossible to harvest, and the moisture could trigger a blight that could destroy the crop. After the weather report, each family gathers together. The wheat family prays for rain, and the tomato family prays that it doesn't rain. But in the middle of the night, it does rain. The wheat farmer's children run into the parents' bedroom shouting, God heard our prayers, and the family praises God. Down the road, the tomato farmer hears the rain. There's no sound of children running into his room. But his wife very quietly squeezes his hand and whispers, It'll be all right. God still cares. The next morning, the wheat family is excited at breakfast time. They can pay off the farm. Mom can get well. And isn't God wonderful? At the tomato farm, they have a very quiet breakfast. The father finally speaks through his tears and he begins to pray. Lord, we thought we prayed the way we should. And it seemed like you would answer but, you know, but we know that you love us and we'll keep trusting. We'll trust you no matter what happens now. The kids asked their father, why did this happen? We prayed so hard. The dad had no answer. Five years go by. If you were to walk by the farm, we would, by the farms, you would see two totally different situations. At the Wheat family, there's a freshly painted barn and a new car. Mom's walking and the hills are covered with wheat. They're celebrating the fifth anniversary of the rain and the blessings that God had showered on them. Further down the road, the tomato family's farm looks run down. They're not owners anymore, they're now tenants. The mom is still in a wheelchair. And before asking the blessing, the dad reminds his family that this is the fifth anniversary of the biggest crisis that they've ever gone through. Then he prays, thank you for your grace and goodness. At first, that night seemed like a catastrophe. But now you have taught us about yourself. You've opened the door so that we can know about you in a way that we would have never known otherwise. God, you are so good. Now guys, why? Why would God bless one faithful family and seemingly not bless the other faithful family? I don't know. But God knows. See, that's the key. God knows. And whatever God is doing in the lives of these people, God is doing. 
you and I can lift our hands in anger toward God because of something that did or didn't happen. Or we can understand that God is omniscient, that He knows. He knows the reasons why He does the things that He does and why He allows things to come into our lives we can't explain. The only thing that you and I are called upon to do is to trust Him. If I don't believe that God knows what's going on, I can't trust Him. But because I know He knows, I can trust Him. Sometimes we are told as Christians that we're just hiding from reality. That we're burying our heads in the sand because we trust in something we can't see, even when things are going wrong. I choose to believe that what we're really doing is just trusting that God is at work. I don't know why God does what He does. But I know that He's omniscient. And because of that, I can trust Him. It's comforting for me, and I hopefully it's comforting to you, to know that God knows everything, even me and even you. Some of you may be here this morning, and you may be questioning this relationship that we're talking about. Let me read you this one last verse. It's John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Guys, this is the promise of God. That God knew who you were before you were ever born, before you had ever committed one sinful act. God knew everything that you would do from the day you're born to the day you die. And God in some time, in past eons of time, knew you by name and said, I will send my son to die for you, to pay your sin, your debt to me. And he went to the cross and he died and he took upon himself all of your sins. From the time you're born to the time you die, they're all paid. The penalty has been paid. But then he turns to you and me and he says this, that I want you to believe that. I want you to trust me. The Bible calls it faith. And so we come to him and we realize that we're sinners and we realize that we can't save ourselves. We realize that we can't hide and there's no place to go and there's nothing we can do about it. The only thing that we can do is to trust him and to believe that he died on a cross for us. And so we do. By a simple act of faith, we believe it. We receive it. And God says to you and me, now this is the promise of God who knows everything, that I will give you eternal life as a gift. It's that simple. Will you trust Him? And maybe you're here this morning and you've been trying to hide from God and you've been trying to run away from God and you've come to realize it can't be done. But yet that same God who judges you is the same God who forgives you and the same God who loves you. So the question is this. Are you going to keep running or are you going to turn around and run to him? Run to him. In faith, just come running. He loves you that much.
Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith in Christ, you don't understand this, with a simple act of faith, just turn to him and say, Lord, I believe what the Bible says, and I'm trusting you to save me. I'm placing my faith in you today. It's that simple. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is God's promise. Will you do it? Right here where you sit. Just turn to the Lord in faith. Father, for all of us, we're asking, Lord, as we close this service, that you would help us all to trust you when things go wrong, to trust you when we pray and nothing happens sometimes, to trust you with all the uncertainties of life because we know that you know. And Father, we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that you know me from the inside out and you still love this rotten person. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Father, to trust you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.